Meeting the people who are making the changes needed to tackle climate change. This is Follow the Leaders on KCLR, funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with a television licence fee. You're very welcome along to Follow the Leaders on KCLR, where each week we hear from the people who are leading the way, making the changes necessary to meet the challenges posed by climate change and are working to reduce their carbon footprint. I'm Deirdre Drummy and as always I'm joined by Robbie Dowling and we'll be with you until seven o'clock this evening. Robbie, you're very welcome along. Thanks as always, Deirdre. And Robbie, this is the last programme in our series and we're looking um, at local climate and environmental action again this week. Yeah, that's right. So we're looking at the topic of air on tonight's show. Later on, we'll hear from Eleanor MacDonald, who is an environmental scientist and a member of the Waste Enforcement Team with the Carlow County Council. I spoke to her about the Smoky Coal Ban and the work that she does with the Carlow County Council. I also caught up with Ruth Morrow of the Asthma Society of Ireland, who gave an insight into how pollution can actually severely impact people who suffer with asthma and what we can do to improve this particular issue. But to begin tonight's show, I chatted with Climate Change Coordinator with the Carlow County Council, Jeanette O'Brien, about the effects of idling and how we can implement anti-idling into our own lives. And I'm delighted to say that I am joined by the Climate Change Coordinator with the Carlow County Council, Jeanette O'Brien, to speak about idling and its impact on the environment. Jeanette, first of all, thanks ever so much for joining me today. Robbie, thanks a million for the opportunity to come back and to talk to all the KCLR listeners about, about uh, idling and about air quality in general, because I think air quality is something that we take for granted unless it's really badly affected. You know, and it's a basic human right to be able to go outside or sit inside and breathe in clean, fresh air. So thanks a million for having me today. Now it's great to chat to you again and obviously we spoke to you earlier in the series but now we're going to focus as we say on kind of air quality for this particular episode. Before we get into idling and its effects on the environment as I say, could you remind us of your own role within the Carlow County Council and what it entails? Okay Rob, so I suppose I'm in Carlow County Council over 20 years. I've been around various different departments, I've worked with communities, I've been in libraries, I was town clerk, I was in finance, corporate and I'm in environment now I suppose for about the last seven years and um, I started off here as the environmental awareness officer, a role I absolutely loved and over the last couple of months I applied for and got the role of the uh, climate coordinator. So I suppose essentially my role will be to ensure that Carlow County Council produce the climate action plan and have it adopted by next February 24 and also to make sure that the actions that we uh, put into that plan are reflective of the needs of the people of Carlow and also support us as a local authority in achieving the 51% greenhouse gas reductions that were mandated to do under the 21 Climate Act, but also to support the people that live in, work in, visit, shop in Carlow to actually take action, to take positive action and to reduce the uh, greenhouse gas emissions in the area as well and to, you know, have a better quality of life for everybody that lives, works, visits or stays in Carlow. Well, a better quality of life would be better air quality too. That brings us on to today's topic. First question, I suppose, the question that all of our listeners would want to know, what is idling, Jeanette? Okay, I suppose, Robbie, before we start to talk about um, idling in particular, we need to have a think about air quality for Mm. starters and I suppose what affects the air quality around us and, you know, 
air quality monitoring has shown us that the burning of fossil fuels, so, you know, what we burn in our homes, how we power our houses, the burning of fossil fuels, as well as road transport, are the main threats to good air quality, you know, not just in Ireland, but of course in Carlow. And an EPA report from 2021 highlighted that approximately 1,300 premature deaths in Ireland occur every year due to poor air quality. So that's a very, very sobering thought. When we're talking about transport, you know, and that's where the idling comes in, we have to think about what is affecting us. And it's a gas called nitrogen oxide, and we refer to that as NO2. It's an air pollutant gas, and it comes from the petrol and the diesel engine. It affects our lungs, and I suppose, you know, for anyone with a pre-existing condition like asthma, it really elevates the the illness there. Um, And I suppose our children in general are are particularly vulnerable. Um, Vehicle idling or car idling is actually when you you leave your engine running and you're not going anywhere so when it's not in motion you know and the EPA report again from 2021 has reported that idling does actually cause air pollution because people have this concept of you know we only produce it when we're driving the car but actually we produce it when we're just sitting there and from the minute the engine is turned on you know and idling cars they're bad for the environment they're also really bad for public health but they're actually also bad for people's pockets because when you leave your engine running it's actually costing your money. So how do you mitigate against it or how do you change your behaviour to stop that? So the experts have recommended that if you're going to be parked for any more than 30 seconds you should turn your engine off. You know, it's a very simple action to support the planet and when I'm the climate coordinator, climate change coordinator here, it's a very simple action that we can all take, you know, to support um, to support our planet and to, it's, it's just as simple as switch off your engine every time that you can, you know, and the Irish Times actually they reported that you know the co2 emissions so the carbon dioxide emissions that are are causing the greenhouse gases um, that are accelerating climate change they could be reduced by 1.4 million tons annually if drivers avoided idling for just three minutes every day that equates to taking about 320,000 cars off our road every year I mean that's very very significant mm. and when we talk about tons of CO2 emission and we're talking about 1.4 million tons annually if you want to visualize a ton of carbon is roughly the size of a three-bed semi so we're talking about 1.4 million three-bed semi houses worth of carbon taken off out of our air every year by doing something as simple is making a conscious decision to turn your engine off when you're when it's not in use and it, up to three minutes a day like that's a very very simple action i think that we can all take um I suppose then we're thinking about when we do we idle and, and when I started to look into idling you know to transport and the issues that transport are causing in terms of air quality um, and, and I just and I looked at idling I looked at my own behavior first and I realized I suppose subconsciously I was doing it all the time mm. you know um, so I had to kind of very very quickly change my own behaviour and of course behaviour change is a really really difficult thing for any of us to take on but you know when you make a conscious decision and I found I was doing things like I was warming up the car in the mornings or I might be sitting at the bus station or I might be sitting at the train station waiting for somebody and I'd have the car left on Um, I was a devil for you know as you know yourself I love to chat but I'd come home in the evenings and I'd be on the phone as usual and I'd be sitting in the driveway chatting away and I could be there for 20 minutes 
but I hadn't even thought of turning my engine off. Um, or if I was at a match, I'd have the car turned on, you know, because I might have the radio on as well. The other instance where it happens is, you know, if you're stuck in traffic, you're in a gridlock situation, you know, and as, as we all know now, as, as traffic is increasing on our roads, we're often stuck in traffic at certain peak times, you know, so I had to monitor my behaviour and make sure that I myself was turning off the engine. And a lot of new engines, of course, have the automatic switch off if you are idling. But for any of us that don't have that, it's about making a conscious decision. And we can see the the massive difference it can make when we talk about the 1.4 million CO2, uh, tonnes of CO2 equivalent. So the other element for me that I think, you know, that all of us are guilty of, and and, and again, we don't realise what we're doing is outside of our schools so you know we park outside of the schools in the evening times or in the morning times it's not as, as busy but we're inclined to sit there with the engine on because we're waiting for the yeah. kids to come out we think oh they're going to be out in two minutes mm. we do it without even thinking you know so if you think about it you're sitting outside the school in your car you're breathing in not only the, your own fumes from your car, but you're breathing in the fumes from everybody else's car as well. But you're also, you know, allowing that to be in the air when the kids come out or if you're outside a school and the windows are open. Those fumes are automatically going into the classroom where the kids are captured, you know. And then you think about, you know, sometimes you would say, oh, I have to leave the engine running because it's cold. Um, or, you know, if the other kids in the car and they're cold those children in the car they might be warm but they're also breathing in an elevated level of those toxic fumes inside in their little system so in those situations if you want to keep warm you know if it's cold morning you want to keep warm dress for the cold if you have the kids in the car throw a little rug over them or something like that you know to keep them warm but you have to kind of make the conscious decision to switch the engine off because we are going to cause more damage to our young people uh, by us keeping warm by leaving the engine running. Does this link in with the Green Schools initiative as well? I know there's travel flags in place that we've spoken about on the programme. Does it kind of all uh, coordinate with that as well, Jeanette? I'm delighted to ask me that, Robbie, because do you know what? I'm, I'm always saying if we want to learn, our young people are so well educated around, the, you know, environmental best practice and we need to listen and learn from our young mm. people. And, and as I mentioned before, the uh, the Green Schools programme has been fundamental in educating our young people apro- across the country for the last 20 years. And one of the flags is actually the travel flag. And they look at idling, they look at air quality and they look at, at transport systems and permeability links to, you know, for shorter to facilitate bikes and walking and they do a full report all around um, and they do a full project around idling as part of that programme you know and they have if anybody wants to have a look on the Green Schools website and have a look you know if you if you ask Uncle Google who knows everything <laughs> all around to, if you ask him about Green Schools anti-idling it brings up a whole programme that they do and it has a sheet around all of the uh, the facts and the myths that exist around idling to support what they do because they understand that they're the ones that are directly affected, like I said, outside the school, breeding in the toxic fumes. So what they say is that idling creates worse emissions than driving. And that's actually true That because when a car is driving, the engine actually heats up faster and the catalytic converter becomes more efficient at reducing emissions. So they understand this. Also, 
contrary to popular belief, idling actually doesn't keep your engine going, keep it clean. It makes your engine dirtier in your mm. car because your fuel is not actually burning as efficiently as it should and it leaves a residue, a buildup and a residue on your cylinder walls. That actually can damage your engine, you know. And then they tackle the things like, you know, there was always a myth in Ireland that your engine should be warmed up before driving. It was better for your engine, you know, and letting your car idle on a cold day is a great way to warm up your engine. And the green schools kids, through their studies, have discovered that's actually a myth, that the best way to warm up your vehicle is actually to drive it, you know, and easing it into a drive and avoiding excessive engine revving is the best way to get your vehicle's heating system to warm up faster. So what they're recommending and the right is if you go out in the morning and it's cold, you know, put a coat on you and scrape your frost off your window instead of sitting leaving your car running for 20 minutes. But green schools have, have brought up um, another point that I hadn't even thought about and it was a whole safety issue. Mm. So when the cars are outside and the buses are outside the schools and they're sitting there and they're idling, you know, it's harder for the kids that are coming out of the schools to hear the cars that are actually moving. So you're talking about kids coming out through cars to get to their, their mom, their dad, their granny or whatever. They actually can't hear the cars that are using the road and moving on the road because of the sound of the engines idling in the first place. Mm. So, I mean, that that's kind of a frightening statistic, yeah. but our young people themselves are our teachers and they understand through the Green Schools programme how to support us as car users. So I suppose our kids in the Green Schools programme, you know, we need to listen to them because they are, they're better educated than a lot of us, say, of my generation and we need to listen to what they're telling us because they have learned all of this. So they know how to make, you know, especially in terms of idling, to make it safer and more environmentally friendly in an environment where they have to be every day. That's kind of focusing on idling, it, but in terms of how we can attack or tackle this issue rather, what is it that people can do individually but also as a community to try and move forward with this and make it better and make our air quality better for everybody our young people our older people everybody in our society I suppose have a think about, you know, um, where you are in your own community. So first of all, you know, if your kids are in a school, maybe approach the school and see that they want to have a look at an anti-idling campaign because education is the key to progression. Or if you're part of a GAA club, you know, maybe can you have a look there and bring in a policy where you ask people to turn off their engines and maybe even get your kids, a small team, to get drivers to do an anti-idling pledge. Mm. So, you know, again, it's the awareness, it's the education, you know, you never get it 100% right but when people realise what they're doing you know especially in an area where there's children or, or perhaps older people who are more vulnerable they're more inclined to engage a positive behaviour I found a very interesting example as well of a clean air project that was carried out in Dublin in 2021 and it was actually a citizen science project you know and again it's it's people taking responsibility and also educating themselves and taking on a project that makes a real difference you know in the areas that they live in and they actually had a look and they saw they, they bought these little air quality monitors and everybody in the community popped them into their window. Now it was in a very urban built up area in Dublin and they popped these little air quality monitors in their windows and they left them there for a period I think of about four weeks. So they were constantly measuring the air quality and looking at peak times and uh, where they had congestion in their area and, and looked at the causes of it. And when they saw the results, they kind of got a bit of a fright themselves, you know, when they saw how bad the air quality was in their area. So collectively, they came together as a group and they decided to change their own habits for starters. So they decided to have a think about shopping locally. So where were they going in their cars that they could actually get something in the local area? Yeah. Um, the next thing they were thinking about is, OK, the short journeys. So, you know, a lot of us get into our car for a very short journey 
that would we could actually walk it in a minute or five minutes or ten minutes. So they actually, as collectively, came together and they decided to change that habit. So they have the kind of it's a kind of a think twice campaign. So do I need to use the car or can I actually walk there or can I hop on my bike and be there even faster than being stuck in the car? So you know, and they measured again. They went back and they measured the air quality again. They also had signs in their area. You know, you know, we leave her. Please, if you're stuck in traffic, please don't idle. Switch your engine off. So they came back and they measured the air quality after about maybe two or three months of rolling out the campaign. And from something as simple as that, they notice a dramatic reduction in the air pollution in their area. So, you know, we can, we can do things like that as well, you know, that we can come together as a community, have a look in our area and make a real difference for our generations now, but even in terms of future generations, because you're bringing people into a new way of living and a new pattern, mm. you know. And look, uh, the way I look at it is, you know, we, we kind of take our air for granted, um, yeah. And it's something, you know, that we need. We're not going to live very long if we don't have much air, as you know, Robbie. So, you know, and, and it's something that, you know, unless we see, so if it's smoke or it's smog, you'll see. Yeah. You'll see. So yeah. the likes of the gases that are there at the moment that you can't see because they're, they're so tiny, you know, they're si- the size of a molecule. Yeah. We don't see them, so we're not as conscious of them. But look, at, it's great to have an opportunity to come and talk to you and, and ch- chat to the listeners, you know, the, uh, of KCLR. You know, because again, it's a great way of communicating the issues that are out there and how simple it is to change our habits. Jeanette O'Brien, their Climate Action Coordinator, chatting to Robbie about um, exploring the ways in which we can anti-idle and how idling can be significantly negative for the environmental, sorry, for the environment. Um, Robbie, we're going to be talking to Eleanor MacDonald next. Yeah, that's right. Eleanor is an environmental scientist and a member of the Waste Enforcement Team with the Carlow County Council. We spoke about a range of issues, including the smoky coal ban. Before we got into that, though, I asked Eleanor to explain her own own role with the Carlow County Council. Now I'm delighted to be joined by Eleanor MacDonald of the Carlow County Council. Eleanor, thanks for chatting to me today. Um, first of all, before we get into air quality and everything that that entails, could you describe to us what you do with the Carlow County Council? Thanks very much for having me. Um, I am an environmental scientist in Carlow County Council. I work in the Environment Department as a Waste Enforcement Officer. I have a very varied job. I work on the waste enforcement team, so we enforce legislation, we investigate complaints and provide information to members of the public. As part of my job, um, I suppose I also attend training and as we're talking about air quality here, um, I have attended various different training and workshops and I've heard medical doctors talk about the effects of poor air quality on human health. These are medical facts and it's proven that poor air quality is a contributing factor to cancer, lung disease and heart disease. And if anyone wants more information on this, they can go on to the Irish Heart Foundation's website. Um, I suppose the good thing is air quality in Ireland has greatly improved over the past decade and this is mostly due to increased regulation, technological advances and greater enforcement. We'll talk about regulation later on and new regulations that have come in late last year. Um, However, I suppose what what might be surprising um, that despite our generally clean air, air pollution is still contributing to 1,400 premature deaths in Ireland every year. And this is a medical fact. Yeah, and it's interesting that you bring up air pollution there, Eleanor, because for people like myself that are uneducated, could you go through 
the main causes of air pollution? Okay, yeah, um, particulate matter, people might have heard the word particulate matter out there, but it's an emission and it's an air pollutant. It consists of a complex mixture of extremely small particles and liquid droplets that are suspended in the air for several days and even weeks, and that can be transported over long, you know, a long range in the atmosphere. Um, it's especially of concern during the winter months when people are burning solid fuels in their stove to heat their homes. Um, the main health effects of this type of air pollution, as I have already said, is the heart and the lung diseases and chronic respiratory diseases, including um, asthma and COPD. We all saw with the COVID pandemic that people with you know, underlying lung conditions had more severe COVID infections. So it has to be treated seriously. Really, it's the choices we make in heating our homes that have you know, a large bearing on our own health. Mm. And the people that we live with and the community that we live in. As I said, the particulate matter is airborne, so it travels in the air, it's around your sitting room, it goes in next door, it goes down the road to your neighbours. So when you open your fire or your stove, you know, to refill it in the winter with your sticks or your logs or your coal, the particulate matter can escape. Now it's invisible, you're not going to see it, but it's there, you know, it falls in the rain, so it's, it's of huge concern. Um, to our health but you know not only to our health but it also has impacts on the environment and biodiversity water quality and the wider ecosystem um, for example ozone is produced in the atmosphere and it's it's an air pollutant it's a damaging gas and it affects plants and reduces crop yield and Eleanor, it's interesting that you go through all of those things. How are they applied with Carlow County Council? What are Carlow County Council doing in this particular area? Well, Carlow County Council have an EPA monitoring station, an air monitoring station. It's located at county buildings on the Athy Road and it's there since 2018. It collects air quality data and it's available online on the EPA website in real time. So you, any member of the public, can go in online and have a look at what's there. So it measures gas and particulate readings, which are recorded at intervals throughout the day. Um, they're measured on an EPA air quality index from 1 to 10, where 1 is good and 10 is poor. Mm. Now, we've seen consistently that Carlos' readings are between 1 and 3, which is good. So that's all good news. Yeah. Um, I suppose also in the environment section, we were successful at the end of last year in securing grant funding um, under the new regulations. Um, we have new air quality monitors. They're high-tech air monitoring systems in four locations in Carlow. Um, so this, um, this forms part of our activities to create a carbon reduction plan over the coming year and identify areas and behaviour where emissions can be reduced. So we gather that baseline data and see changes in the data when people's behaviour changes over time. Mm. In the coming years nationally, um, there's a climate action plan and a national residential retrofit plan to retro retrofit half a million homes to a BER rating of B2 and install 400,000 heat pumps in existing buildings by the end of 2030. Now this is going to take time and we understand that people still need solid fuel to heat their homes. Um, so new regulations as I said came in end of October last year and they benefit the whole country. Lots of changes here. The changes brought in include a ban on the sale of smoky coal nationwide. This has been successful in cities where it has already been brought in over recent years. 
we've all seen the old pictures of cities in the winter in a cloud of smog, so hopefully that's a thing of the past. Fuel now also has to be certified and there are specific label requirements that should be on the bags um, in the shops and the bags that are for sale. So as enforcement officers, we'll be going out to the retailers, out to the shops, checking the bags, checking that they're certified. Um, we'll be looking at the packaging, the, label, the labels, looking for you know, the words content, contents comply with the Air Pollution Act regulations. And now is the time to be thinking about this before the winter arrives and people stock up on fuel for the winter. Also, any member of the public, you know, seeing illegal fuel out there on the market can let us know and we'll be happy to look into it. So we want to help the, the guys, the retailers who are trying to do it properly and are doing it properly and cut out the illegal sales. Um, so fire, firewood logs then as well, um, there's changes there. They must contain less than 25% moisture, and this has gone down to 20% in 2025. So we'll be checking this when we're out in the shops. We have a handheld device to check the moisture content. So you can only buy dry and seasoned wood. You know yourself, if you put a damp log on the stove, you throw it into the stove, it's going to hiss, it's going to spit, mm. and you're going to have black smoke coming out. So you want your seasoned dry logs only. Um, there's also changes in how solid fuel is sold online. So the regulations stop the sale of turf on the internet and stop any adverts in any shape or form. So if you previously got turf this way, you should, you should know now this is illegal. Um, if you previously got turf from your family or friends or your neighbours, that can still continue. And what are the key things that we should be taking away from what you're saying here, Eleanor? Well, there are a number of concerns at national and local level which need to be addressed further to bring down that number of 1,400 premature deaths every year in Ireland. And that's 1,400 unnecessary deaths as a direct result of pure air quality. So I suppose the new regulation, it, it puts the power in your hands and in my hands. Um, you know, buying illegal fuel, it might be cheaper, but you have to think at what costs. It affects you, it affects me, and everyone around you. Mm. Um, there's, you know, there's medical advice out there and medical evidence out there, which we've spoken about, and it's not a myth, it's proven, it's fact. And it, it's the poor air quality that's affecting people's lives. We all have heard of people who suffer from COPD or who are bad as, asthmatics, and they can't leave their homes in the winter because of the poor air quality. So what I would say is buy certified fuel, buy seasoned fuel, and this benefits you and me. And also then, if you see any illegal sales or you want to report to us, you can email us on environment at carlococo.ie. That was Eleanor MacDonald there speaking with Robbie earlier and we're going to take a quick break now um, but stay tuned as after the break we'll hear from Ruth Morrow of the Asthma Society of Ireland. You're listening to Follow the Leaders on KCLR. Welcome back. You're listening to Follow the Leaders on KCLR. I'm Deirdre Drummy and I'm also joined by Robbie Dowling. Robbie, before the break, we heard from Jeanette O'Brien and Eleanor MacDonald and we're moving on to our final interview of the programme now. Yeah, our final interview of today's show is with Ruth Morrow of the Asthma Society of Ireland. We touched on what it's like to have a respiratory illness with the current air quality with both Jeanette and Eleanor. The discussion with Ruth further delves into that, but with a particular focus on asthma. I began by asking her to explain her own role within the Asthma Society of Ireland. 
we've worked with the Aspen Society of Ireland for the last four years um, as a respiratory nurse specialist and my main role is running their WhatsApp service. So we have a patient support service which we run on WhatsApp and myself and Sam run that and we can send advice out to people and different graphics and videos on that how, on how to manage their asthma. Other roles will be doing things like this um, and also kind of other consultancy roles within the Asthma Society. And just generally, Rue, can you give us a bit of a background as to what the Asthma Society of Ireland is? Obviously, the name tells a lot, but what are the main functions of the Asthma Society of Ireland and when did it kind of kick off and begin? Yeah, we are actually 50 years old this year and the Asthma Society is, is it's around quite a while um, and we've seen an awful lot of changes, obviously, with asthma in the last 50 years. Um, the primarily the primary role obviously is to support people with asthma, and we do that through our two patient support services, the advice line and the WhatsApp service. And then we also advocate for um, people with asthma as well on a different level in terms of even like on air pollution and the clean air um, initiatives and anything like that that's going on. Entitlement is the other thing that we work on as well, and trying to get um, medications available for um, people with asthma, uh, freely available. Um, and that, that's one of our number of the things that we we do. Um, as we champion to come, you know, to manage, to help people manage their asthma, and also with the ultimate aim actually of reducing asthma-related deaths, you know, over the coming years. And if we further the conversation beyond that and look at kind of the crux of the issue that we're going to speak about this evening, and that is around air pollution, the quality of our air and how that impacts people with asthma. To kind of begin with an open-ended question on that topic, Ruth, how much of an impact and how much of a negative impact does the current quality of air that we have in this country have on people that suffer with asthma? It's a huge impact and, and as you know at different times of the year air pollution tends to be worse than others um, and at, in, in wintertime in particular in the autumn wintertime it can be very problematic and we see that we, we call September the September spike um, for asthma because of the fact that we see an increase in the number of people attending hospitals and attending their GP um, in relation to their asthma because their asthma symptoms have got worse. And air pollution has a huge impact on that. It can be also related to, we know that, you know, around areas of high volumes of traffic where maybe there are schools, etc., and children and adults are both walking to school, that can have a huge impact on the person's asthma and it, it can cause their asthma to, to, to deteriorate. We do know that... Um, air pollution has a huge impact in terms of making people's asthma worse. So their symptoms get worse. They have a higher reliance on the reliever medication and a lot of people actually do also have to increase their controller medication in these times whenever air pollution levels are high. You know, at different times, even during the summer, sometimes too, the, um, the air pollution levels can be quite high and also can impact on people's asthma also. So it will vary from time to time, you know, from month to month, really, and what's going on. And you mentioned kind of the spike in September there and the fact that maybe in built-up areas uh, it can be worse if you suffer from asthma. To, to give us a, an understanding and an insight into what it's like to have asthma with the current quality of air and with pollution at the level that it's at at the moment, are we going as far as to say that some people that suffer with asthma could actually fear being in those built-up areas, particularly in urban areas where there's a lot of cars and a lot of traffic? 
Most definitely, because it will have a huge impact on them. They're going to get worse symptoms, like more wheezing, more coughing, more shortness of breath, and more feeling the, the tightness in their chest that they can get. And, you know, they will ultimately, they're at higher risk of actually having an acute asthma event, which, you know, can result in death. And we still do, unfortunately, have a lot of asthma deaths in Ireland um, and have done. That number has not come down dramatically over the last number of years, despite all the treatments that are available. Um, now, there are lots of um, reasons why that could be, you know, and possibly air pollution is one of those reasons. Um, because and people will be, in, you know, you know, be afraid. They will be afraid at that time of the year and later on into the winter months also. Um, as, as the weather gets worse and there's more fog around and we have the, the smog and that, that can be really impacting on people's asthma also. You know, even though we do give the advice, you know, to wear a snooze when you're going outside, particularly when the air is cold, um, to warm it going into the areas over the winter months, that can help. Um, but people will be, you know, fearful about going out, you know, whenever air pollution levels are high. Many people have an image of pollution and it's kind of the effects stem from outdoor areas. But there's also a serious impact from indoor pollution, isn't there? There is indeed. Um, and again, this is sometimes we do actually offer this advice on the WhatsApp service so trying to manage pollution indoor. And things like, you know, obviously open fires are not a good idea. And having, you know, trying to, we welcome obviously the, the ban on smoky fuels. Um, but having said that, there still is that risk of air pollution there indoors. And things like, you know, cooking in unventilated areas. So it's always good advice to have your, your kitchen well ventilated, windows open, cooker hoods on, stuff to, you know, to help eliminate any potential triggers that might arise there. And um, things like... You know, burning candles aren't probably a good idea. You know, scented candles can actually have a huge impact on somebody's asthma because sometimes the the smell and the scent of those candles can be quite strong. Some of them are very strong. Um, Flowers, for example, indoors, like lilies indoors, can be very strong smell as well. And that can actually trigger somebody's asthma. And even, for example, florists actually can struggle. You know, if they have asthma, they can struggle in their jobs. Um, So there's lots of things indoors. Things like using... Um, cleaning sprays and cleaning agents that can be very pungent and strong smelling, that can actually trigger people's asthma. So again, we would advise people to use natural cleaning products like lemon and vinegar, bread soda mixed up into a paste rather than actually using the cleaning products that you can buy obviously in the shop because they are, you know, very pungent. Oh, there's other things then like detergents, for example, as well that can actually um, trigger asthma symptoms also like bleach, for example, another big trigger. Um, that can be a huge, can impact on somebody's asthma. So there are plenty of indoor pollutions as well. Um, obviously, smoking indoors is not advised. And if people are living with smokers, they should be really advised to smoke outdoors. Um, but having said that, if somebody does go outside to smoke and they come back in, it's actually on their breath and on their clothes for four hours after they smoke. So actually, you know, if you hug your child that, that has asthma, they're actually going to be inhaling a lot of tr- potential triggers there as well. There's a lot to unpack there, but the next kind of thing I want to get onto because people like myself that are fortunate enough to not have asthma, we maybe don't have a great understanding of it, but one thing that we would all always associate with people that suffer from asthma are inhalers. Do the need for inhalers increase with the current way that the 
pollution situation is, is there a need to adapt and change the inhalers? Could you give us a bit of an understanding and an insight into that area? Yeah, inhalers in themselves are a potential um, problem as well. And uh, we know that there were over 5 million inhalers actually dispensed in Ireland in 2019. And of, of that, over half of them were metre dose inhalers. These are the regular inhalers that you would see people using out and about. But metre dose inhalers actually have a huge impact on the environment. They actually have a carbon footprint of 10 to 30 times higher than a dry powder inhaler, for example. So really... As, well, as healthcare professionals, we need to be prescribing inhalers that are more environmentally friendly. And we are moving in that direction, but it's slow to move. Um, so, for example, there are things like dry powder inhalers that are actually more environmentally friendly. And some of them now are actually even have been they're totally carbon neutral. So they are the recommended. There are other inhalers called soft mist inhalers too that are they are also carbon neutral. So... That's the, as, as I say, as healthcare professionals, we need to kind of look at our prescribing habits um, and and go to, you know start thinking about kind of prescribing more environmentally friendly inhalers. There's also the issue about disposing of inhalers because this is a huge issue and something that we've tried to address in the asthma society. The disposal of inhalers at the moment are just going into the regular household waste, which is not the place for them. Yeah. Um, but currently, that's the only option we have. So, you know, in an ideal world, we'd love to see you know, an environmentally friendly option of actually disposing inhalers. And um, you can't put the, the plastic covers of inhalers; they actually can't go into the plastic recycling either. So, um, you know, there needs to be something put in place, kind of, where people can actually can bring their inhalers maybe to their local pharmacy whenever they're going in to pick up their prescription and then dispose of them. There has been some attempts at recycling of inhalers in in that regard. Um, but unfortunately, thanks to COVID, that didn't actually materialise any further. Now, there may be some move towards it in the future, but I think it's something that really needs to be addressed. Because, again, as a 5 million inhalers is a lot of inhalers um, yeah. you know, to be disposed of. Um, and, you know, some of those, they are the little canister things, so they actually they can't go into, as I said, they're actually going into the, the ordinary household waste at the moment, which is not the place for them. But that's the only option people have. Um so there are, and certainly it's something I would see and I would have seen when I was working in clinical practice as well, that people were actually beginning to ask for inhalers that were more environmentally friendly and more carbon neutral, which is great to see it. Um, my prescribing habits, I was hoping, would had changed a little bit, um, but it's it's going to be a slow process. Um, but and I guess the pharmaceutical companies as well are going to have to address it also in, in the production of inhalers in the future. We've touched on an awful lot there, Ruth, or you've touched on an awful lot rather, but that's kind of the present situation. How do you see it changing and what needs to happen for it to change for the better of people with asthma? Um, I think, well, as healthcare professionals, we need to be more proactive in prescribing when we're prescribing our inhalers and thinking about, you know, thinking more about the environment. Um, And some GPs are brilliant at this and will do that. Um, As the public... If you're actually being started on an inhaler, whether it's for asthma or for COPD or for whatever it might be for, I would suggest that, you know, maybe just mention when you are talking to your GP about that you'd like an inhaler that is more environmentally friendly because we all can do our own part in this. It's not just down to one particular group. Um, so generally the public can, you know, can there. Um, and as I said, the Asthma Society will continue to champion for this at, at all levels that they can. 
Um, and like the Yasna Society would be involved in a lot of other other organisations and on other groups as well in relation to climate change. So we're there kind of at the table, um, but more work needs to be done. And very finally, Ruth, a lot of people before this interview would have seen asthma as a disease that maybe doesn't get better or gets worse. It's just there um, forever, irrespective of the circumstances or the situation around people that suffer from asthma. But is the key message to take away from this the fact that air quality has a significant and a huge impact negatively or potentially positively if we turn this around on people with asthma? Most definitely. Um, and I suppose good asthma control as well will actually, you know, obviously impact on the environment also because you're using less of your, of your reliever inhaler. That's the ultimate game because we don't want people using the reliever inhaler more than twice a week anyway because that would indicate to us that their asthma is not controlled. Um, but certainly um, air pollution does have a negative impact on people with asthma and people that are generally living with respiratory conditions. That was Ruth Morrow of the Asthma Society of Ireland speaking with Robbie there. And Robbie, that is our last interview for this evening, but also the last interview for our um, 15 week series. And over the last couple of months, we've covered a range of topics. We've spoken about energy use in homes and business. We've talked about travel, food and waste, the circular economy, as well as obviously in the last couple of weeks, the local climate and environmental action. So just reflecting on the series, what have what have you taken or what are your thoughts on that? I think some of the words that we've used consistently throughout the 15 weeks are probably the words that I would use to kind of reflect back on the entire series. It was educational from my own perspective Mm -hmm. and hopefully for people listening in of course Um, because I was coming in um, not that I was lacking in a passion in this area but I certainly wasn't on everything I didn't know what was happening and I just wanted to learn stuff that was kind of my own goal for it and that if I was learning things I'm sure people who are very similar to me just live an ordinary life from day to day um, would also learn things and I think that's hopefully and I feel as though we achieved that objective Um, Well we're hearing from people who have been making these changes slowly themselves So it was educational but also I wanted the educational to be applicable in my own life and then again through my own life obviously for the listeners too and that we could relate it to people's day to day lives and I think we did that too I think you know even from uh, the interviews today kind of you know you take more of a conscious effort of the fact that people that suffer from respiratory illnesses particularly asthma you would like to think that you would do your best to protect them from you know being in a perilous position and going all the way back to the start when we were talking about farming and different things that are put in place to make that more sustainable and you go through transport and the viability of maybe transferring to an electric car or do you even need a car if you live in an urban area Um, stuff like that and you know fast fashion was a big thing for me the fact that maybe we all including myself big time uh, steer into that market and we allow that to grow rather than maybe not bringing it to an immediate halt that's not possible but again can we kind of gradually phase that out and look at reusing our clothes can we go to charity shops yeah can we get rid of taboos and stigmas in certain areas and I think that was the big thing I took away I just thought some of the people we spoke to were so passionate and that obviously rubs off on you and just generally I to learn as much as I did I didn't think I would to know that there's people out there kind of fighting a good fight and just doing normal everyday things that we can all do 
was reassuring and I think I learned a lot but also um, as I say it was all kind of relative and applicable to my own life so that was the biggest thing for me Yeah and the interesting thing and I know we've mentioned this in a few of the programmes but Jeanette mentioned it as well earlier it's changing behaviours Yes and she said you know she had to look at herself as well um, and I think that's one of the things that has stuck with me when you were saying there about all the different topics that we've covered yeah. like simple tips that we have heard it's the food waste making the list look at what you are throwing out if you're throwing things out consistently you know maybe you don't use it so it's like and uh, you know when we were talking about the fashion shop your wardrobe first so do you actually need to be buying all the items yeah they're like and what you said about the the vehicles and you know it's the planning do you need to always use the car can we make our trips on foot or with the bikes um, and you know our, our our guests who were talking with about that were talking about the social aspects as well as the health benefits yeah. of that so they're all things that have stuck with me yeah same here and I think something that just to pick up on what you said I think sometimes in this area rightly or wrongly a lot of people feel as though they're being maybe spoken down to and kind of preached upon whereas I hope what people got from it was the fact that we weren't trying to the, do that. In the topic of Yeah, the in the topic of the environment. That we yeah. were just trying to basically, somebody like me, who as I said could be, and yourself, dear, they're very relatable people, hopefully. Um, you know, you can change things in your daily life rather than talking about bigger things that are out of our control and all this kind of negative stuff yeah. just smaller positives rather than big negatives and by building up those small things over time what I found out is we can make significant change yeah. and that was probably the biggest thing that I took away because I came into it like a lot of people thinking that you know it's too big a thing to change it's never going to happen bloody blah this that and the other yeah there was but a lot of talk about being overwhelmed yeah over yeah exactly and look at the small things first yeah that's it exactly and I think that was the most enjoyable part of it for me the fact that yeah we can make small changes to our lives that will not just improve the environment but also improve our daily lives and as I said it was just really refreshing to take a look at it and I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it Delighted as did I and unfortunately that is all we have time for uh, today and we hope you've enjoyed the series don't forget you can listen back to this show and all other episodes of Follow the Leaders on the KCLR website just uh, check out kclr96fm.com a big thank you to all of our guests this evening and from throughout the entire series from Robbie and I a big thank you to you for listening and uh, Owen Kerry will be up with Fully Loaded after the 7 o'clock news Follow the leaders, meeting the people who are making the changes needed to tackle climate change. A KCLR production funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with a television licence fee.